0: You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God of this universe. Even as we read earlier, you're majestic, you're mighty, you're strong. You're not one to be trifled with. But in in that amazing paradox, you're also a loving father. At the very same time, caring, compassionate. You see, Lord, your children, even in this room. You're able to see with as many that are here, all the different things that we're carrying in our hearts. And I pray that, Lord, you would just give give us a little bit of glimpse of you this evening, Lord. Draw us into your presence. Even as we consider our mortality, may our eyes be lifted to the immortal one. We find our strength in. So I thank you for every person that's in here because they represent a story, Lord. A story that's being written even as we're sitting here, God. And Lord, may even a night like this be a part of that story, whether we recognize or not. So we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that's breathing and moving speaking. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Open our senses to you, Lord. So we thank you, God, for your presence. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Um, Really, really good to see everyone. for our church, we don't do a normal Wednesday, kind of, for some churches, Wednesday nights is like another night of church. We don't do that. But this is kind of fun to be together a little differently than normal. Um, so, you know, for some of you, you're thinking, depending on your tradition, this is for me. I didn't grow up in, I, I didn't grow up in a thing where I even knew what Ash Wednesday was. I thought that was for kind of like cultic people out there. So uh, the fact that we're doing this, you're like questioning, is this, are we allowed to do this? Well, we're doing it. So um, it's, it's cool. But um, it's, a, it's a valuable way to gather together, if anything else, to give us a reason to come together as a church, but in worship. But as I, thought, I, was, I was thinking about today, out of all the special worship expressions, I'm, by special I mean like outside of the normal weekly Sunday gatherings, um, Ash Wednesday I think is probably the most countercultural, like looking at the world, because you got know, like Christmas... I mean, you don't even gotta be a Christian to like fat baby Jesus, right? Everyone like baby Jesus and the presence and like and generosity. I mean, you can you can you're good with that, whether you have go to church or not, or Easter. I mean, kind of that message of new hope out of out of darkness and death, like everyone can be down with that. But I think, you know, with Ash Wednesday, we're intentionally choosing to remember our mortality. It's kind of like a dark gathering. Some of you like a little bit darker in your, you like, you're totally down with this. You're like, yeah, every week should be Ash Wednesday. It's like, and, and I know who I'm talking to, right? You're probably like me. But it's countercultural because it's, it's all about, it's, it's in many ways totally against the way our world works. And I don't know if it's just because I turned 50 last year. Or my algorithms are set on my social media and stuff. I'm getting a lot of messages now talking about turning back the clock. And like, um, like, you can stop time. I'm like, yo, is someone following me? Or does someone know that I'm old? But it's like, that's the message, right? Even as time progresses, you can stop it. You can take these things. You can engage in this behavior. You can change your mindset. Um, age ain't nothing but a number. I mean, we've heard that, Right. But we also know father time is undefeated. That's like another phrase, right? Age ain't nothing but a number, but father time is undefeated. And those of you with athletic background, you know that. It doesn't matter how MJ you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Father time is undefeated. If you stay long enough, you will be found out as an old man or woman. It's, it's just a reality. As much as we try to keep mortality away... It's the one common, common thing in a world where we can't find unity on anything. The ending of these mortal lives is the one thing we share. Um, And you're like, yo, I came to the wrong night. I've had a rough week. I needed like a turn of frown upside down kind of message tonight. Um, It it sounds gloomy, but I would suggest there's great wisdom for those who would hear. There's just Maybe out of anything, like a night like tonight can be one of the most wise things if we have ears to hear what God might be saying to us. It's, it's reflecting, as we, as we see in Genesis 3.19, really kind of where things like Ash Wednesday come from traditionally. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. Like That's the human story. And it, and and I think it's appropriate. It can be a sobering invitation to humble repentance. Like it's appropriate for us to kind of get do some inventory. Like, okay, I need to get on my face before God because I'm I'm about to hit dust sometime. I don't know when, but dust is coming. I want to get right with God. I think that's appropriate. But I also want to suggest that that perspective can be an invitation into a deep communion with the Lord. So if you have your Bible, uh, I just wanted to read one Psalm that. That It's not directly about this, but I think it has a lot to say. If you have your Bible, we have some in the benches as well. Psalm 49. I'm going to read this for us um, because I think it's got some poignant, profound things to say about the way our world works. Psalm 49, starting verse 1. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who inhabit the world, both low and high, "'Rich and poor together, my mouth speaks wisdom, "'my heart's meditation brings understanding. "'I turn my ear to a proverb, I explain my riddle with a liar. "'Why should I fear in times of trouble? "'The iniquity of my foes surrounds me. "'They trust in their wealth and boast of their abundant riches. "'Yet these cannot redeem a person or pay his ransom to God.' "'Since the price of redeeming him is too costly, "'one should forever stop trying "'so that he may live forever and not see the pit. "'For no one can see that the wise die. "'The foolish and stupid also pass away. "'Then they leave their wealth to others. "'Their graves are their permanent homes, "'their dwellings from generation to generation, "'though they have named estates after themselves. "'But despite his assets, mankind will not last. "'He is like the animals that perish.' This is the way of those who are arrogant and of their followers who approve of their words. Like sheep, they are headed for Sheol. Death will shepherd them. The upright will rule over them in the morning and their form will waste away in Sheol, far from their lofty abode. But God will redeem me from the power of Sheol, for he will take me. Do not be afraid when a person gets rich, when the wealth of his house increases, for when he dies he will take nothing at all. His wealth will not follow him down. Though he blesses himself during his lifetime, and you are acclaimed when you do well for yourself, he will go to the generation of his fathers. They will never see the light. Mankind with his assets, but without understanding, is like the animals that perish. Whoa. We should do that for like call to worship one Sunday, right? That's like heavy stuff. I mean... And, and I think it's a great example of how engaging in our mortality, fixing our gaze on the, the idea that we are mortal, it helps focus us in on what's important. So like we see here in this passage, for instance, we live in a world that exalts wealth. And I mean, we exalt a lot of things, right? We exalt physical appearance, we exalt power, we exalt popularity, we exalt how many times you go viral, we, but we exalt wealth. That's probably one of the most basic for anyone but, but what our mortality does the common human destination that's the same for all of us it puts even those values of what the world says is important meaningful even eternal it puts this under a light a clarifying light because even when we think about riches now i usually think about athletes right athletes who like make so much more money than i can comprehend is a real amount but what do you what do you hear This is generational wealth. This is setting up those coming behind me. And that's epic. And with the amount that some of these ballers are making, that's like a good three, four generations at least. But here's the thing. Eventually, as the scriptures are teaching us here, that's not enough to sustain. Because human beings are eternal in our souls. We exist beyond just what happens here in our flesh. It doesn't matter how much you have here. In the end, you're just like one of these little animals hopping around. That's like us. And again, this is not to minimize the importance of money and resources. We're not a church that says, you know, money doesn't matter. I actually think it's important. But here's the point. As our lives come to an end in our flesh, we see more and more clarity of what our resources are helpless to do when we're young especially if you if you idealistic or you chasing after whatever you're like this will give me meaning this will give me significance this will in essence save me one of the common things and i I've, I've had i don't i wouldn't say the privilege but uh, walking with some people at the end of their journeys No one is asking how their 401k is at that point. No one is saying, how's their bank account doing that day? Because mortality, it's, it's like laser focus on what is real, real. And all the things we've been taught by everyone in our life is real. It's important, but at the end, you're like, okay, it's not like eternal important. And and you can can substitute anything in there in place of money. Strength, beauty, education, success. All the things that we look to to give ourselves meanings. Why do we get up in the morning? It's so we can have these different things in the end. Again, they're not bad necessarily. But they cannot prevent the curse of the first Adam. As good as they are. They cannot they don't have the authority to prevent the curse of the first Adam death. Um, I was listening to a podcast uh, last year, um, and it was, it's actually by Mike Cosper and Russ Moore. I think some of you might follow, but they were talking about I thought it was fascinating, but talking about this I might have even shared this before with someone, but they're talking about the ideas, how nowadays, when people are building churches, like new church buildings, you find something missing that was really common with churches in past generations, which was a graveyard. Like now, and when you drive through countries, like country roads and stuff, you see these beautiful old churches quaint. And what do they all have? They all have a graveyard. They all have these different stones. And that was just normal, Whereas now, in our kind of, it's a different generation we live in now, it's like, why would you want to do that? That'll just bring people down when they're coming for like a good Holy Spirit experience. You don't want to remind them of those kind of things. No one is putting a graveyard in front of a church now. But what they were suggesting, Cosper and Moore, is that there was some, there's something kind of missing now. Because there, there's a healthy purpose. And what they were saying is churches... Part of the purpose of our gatherings that we've kind of lost now, it should be to prepare people for their encounters with death. That like every time we get together, we should have joy. We should sing. We should be like much better conditioned than when we came in, right? I'm not saying that. Let's be happy people. Happy Christians are much better than glum ones. But at the same time, there's a sense, oh, this life is ending one day. Where am I right now in my soul? Where am I with God? Where am I with my neighbor? Like our gathering should kind of do not just give people a cheery vitamin shot, but kind of like give us a proper inventory. Where are you at in your life right now? What have you invested your life in? And my hope simply tonight is this might be one of those occasions that points you to the Savior in that way. And again, for for many of us, I hope it leads us to humble reflection, repentance. um, Maybe asking ourselves questions. Have we put our hope in temporal things for ultimate life and meaning? You know, and especially if you follow Christ. I know your hope is in Christ, but we all do it, don't we? We know our hope is in Christ, but we still have those things that we're putting kind of our hope in. This will give me meaning Maybe the invitation tonight is to lay those things before God again, and he's a gracious God. He doesn't judge you for that, but he's like, I want to give you more because you're created for eternity, not for these little baubles that the world will offer you. How is the Lord inviting you to trust in him tonight? Because in a a glimpse of our mortality, it helps us prioritize what is truly important. And our church in general is a very young church, and I'm thankful for that. It's, I kind of like being the old guy in our church. Praise the Lord. Um, I, like, I like that we have a lot of young folks, but one of the challenges, I think, is that we don't think about our mortality. It's like we got like at least like 50, 60, 70 years. I mean, some of the young ones, they got like 80, 90 years. And science, man, I mean, by the time they're old, they might be like triple digits as normal, right? We don't think about our mortality because who wants to? But maybe on an occasion like Ash Wednesday, it gives us a chance to um, prioritize what is really important. And obviously, that's the Lord. But I, I don't think it should surprise those of you who walk the village. It's also relational. Maybe practically, are there some relationships that you need reconciliation in, that the Lord is inviting you to step into? Another thing I've noticed at the end of most people's life, they want to make things right with people. Because it starts to feel real. Oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a chance to do this again. So maybe that's, that's for some of us. But I, I also want to say it's not just to repair things, but it's just prioritizing a right focus. Um, I was thinking about my brother Joe and some of you know his story. He's doing really well, but there was a point where we didn't know if he was doing well. And uh I think we're able to talk about it more now because it's like kind of past it, but man, there were some real dark, dark moments. I think the the very lowest, we were pretty much preparing him for death. I mean, that's where it was. And we were just talking about it recently, but um I remember um he, he wanted to have a conversation with me, and he's like, hey, uh, I need to know uh, when my girls walk down the aisle that you can walk them down the aisle. Because um, if I'm not here, I, I mean, and it's, it sounds morbid, but when you come into to the end, those are the kind of things you're thinking about. You're not thinking about that next promotion, or you're not thinking about, like, you're thinking about the ones that you care about. You're, you're asking questions, how am I using my time? How am I investing in things that are eternal, like in our church or on missions? Obviously, our our families. It just brings it into focus. You start thinking of the big picture of life because it's just, you realize, like the psalm, like, oh, time is running short here. So I want to invite you, church, appropriately reflect, repent. But as you do so, May it also remind you of why we call this good news. This is just astounding to me. I mean, verse 7 and 8 again, it said, no one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for life is costly. No payment is ever enough. And it's talking about those people who think they got money to throw at God to say, save my life, God. Here, here's, here's a little more. God's like, hey, I, that's not going to work here. It don't matter how much you got. It's saying it's futile. It doesn't matter how much you got. You cannot pay this ransom. But those of you who know the gospel, you're like, ah! Oh! That's like Jesus language. There is someone who could pay for the life and his name's Jesus. And where where there was, the cost was too high for anyone to pay, it doesn't matter how much Bitcoin you got. It doesn't matter all this. In the end, there is one who could pay and his name's Jesus. And that's why it's such good news. He has the authority. He has the wealth through his own sacrifice to pay the cost of a human life. Just astounding. I mean, it's good news all over the pages. Verse 14, they are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. It's talking about those who trust in their wealth, that they're just going down a path towards death and their money is going to be their shepherd. Death is going to be their shepherd. And again, you Jesus folks, you know, it's like, ah, there's a shepherd. His name's Jesus, the good shepherd. And rather than leading to death, he leads us to life. Wow! It's like astounding. And we know that the good shepherd led us to life. How? Through his own death. There is death, but it wasn't for the sheep. It was for the shepherd himself so the sheep could have life to rescue them. Good news. And guys, all this, as grim as it sounds, it points us forward to our great hope. Verse 15, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. What money cannot do, what sex appeal cannot do, what all the degrees that the world can offer you cannot do, what all the health, all the vitamins, all the anti-aging, what all of that cannot do, God can do in Christ gives us life literally ransoms us from death. And I think we tend to really over-spiritualize that, but we have a promise of a future coming kingdom where even all this brokenness will be made right. It's not just a spiritual thing. He will even take these broken bodies, broken lives, and he will make them the way they were supposed to be in an unblemished creation. So yes, if you need to appropriately bow your head in repentance and reflection, I would invite you to do that, especially as we do the ashes. But guys, at the same time, can you lift your head in assurance that even death bows down before the mighty power of Christ? The one unvanquished, undefeated, no one is ever beaten, everyone cowers before death, the curse of Adam— When he sees Jesus, he's on the floor because even death bows before this king and this is the king that has offered us life. That's our great hope and that's what we remember here even this evening. So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me and we're going to have a time. Um, Pastor Julius, I'm going to ask you to come up front. Uh, We're going to administer the ashes and we're just, it's, it's, I think it's a good size enough group. We'll ask you to just get, get in one line at the appropriate time, come down, and then Pastor Julius would administer the ashes on your forehead. And again, I think we know enough. This is not just a symbol. There's no power in these things. I mean, it's just burnt wood, right? But it's a reminder of our mortality. But could I invite you, even as you consider your mortality, it's an invitation to remember the one who offers real life. And if you're a Christian, stand assured in that, that even death cannot take away life. Jesus has conquered death. If you're not a Christian, I would invite you, this might sound like a deep, we believe in eternal death and suffering, but there is one who's given his life so we don't have to. His name's Jesus. If that's you, we would love to talk with you We would love to pray with you. We would love to go through that more, but just to know the one who's given his life so that we could be life. And Ash Wednesday, we know on the calendar, this is just our march towards our hope. It seemed like it was done on Good Friday when there was this terrible thing called a cross, murdering the greatest who ever lived, and we thought that was endgame. You didn't know endgame. Endgame was coming in defeating death and sin and the grave. And his name was Jesus. And that's what we're marching towards. But this is an appropriate time to start that march together. So I'm going to pray for us. And then again, during this time, just feel the lineup. But this is an open um, sanctuary to pray. You can pray in the front. You can get down on your knees if you want. You can move around. You can do whatever you need to. We're going to just do the ashes. We're going to be singing. We're going to be praying. But don't feel um, hemmed in. You do what you need to do to respond to the Spirit's move in your life right now. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that the one thing that seems inevitable, that seems hopeless, and it is painful, Lord. None of us is wired to understand death. And too many of us have walked even through that recently in different ways with friends and family and loved ones and even people we don't know, but it hits us deeply and we're reminded it's terrible But Lord, thank you that even in that terrible, terrible pain and hopelessness, there is hope. And his name is Jesus, who actually experienced death himself. But he conquered it. He offers new life to those who would put our trust in him. And that's our hope tonight, Lord. So help us, Lord. Maybe some of us need to take appropriate reflection. Make the main things the main thing. Focus on you. Maybe have our gaze refocused on those around us. Maybe even this church. But Lord, may we also lift our head and in our hopelessness be given hope in the Christ. So we thank you, Lord. You're the winner. You're the victor. You're the powerful one. You're the loving one, Lord. And we put our trust and hope in you. So again, this is an open time. Um, but if you want to eventually line up, feel free to do that. And just get in a line, receive the ashes, and then you can go sit down, pray, do whatever you want. And we'll be doing that for a little bit here. Music will just be playing. And then after that, we'll, play, we'll do a few more songs and, and then we'll conclude our worship. But let's, let's make the most of this time together.